Well, welcome to Pinion Hills Community Church online, baby. In the beginning of this church since 1957, moving forward to today, March 15, 2020, we have never in the history of this church gone online only. So that means, friends, you are part of history in the making. So wherever you're watching this from, high five somebody next to you and say, hey, history in the making, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm excited for today. I'm not excited for the coronavirus, of course, but I'm excited for the, the opportunity to do church in a different and new way. Now, some of you are like, Psh, pastor, this ain't new. Homie, I've been doing this for years. Some of you have been watching from your couch or from perhaps laying in bed on a Sunday morning. You've been doing this for a long time. Every Sunday, we have over 2,000 and people that watch our live stream. So perhaps to you, it doesn't feel new. But there's thousands of other people that are perhaps joining us for the first time that you've never been a part of online church before. So if that's you, thank you for giving it a shot. More specifically, thank you to your nephew or your niece or your grandson that might have gotten your internet all hooked up and, and able for you to watch the live stream. But I'm really, really excited. We have people watching on all sorts of different platforms this morning. We have people watching at phcc.church slash live. We have people online at phcc.online.church where there's a, a community and people being able to chat there. We have people on Facebook live. We have people on Instagram. We have people on Vimeo, on YouTube, on iTunes, all over the place. Now, no matter what, platform you're watching from, this is a little bit different because this is the first time we've gone online only. So wherever you're watching from, here's my encouragement to you. My encouragement to you this morning is don't just watch the stage, choose to engage. Don't just watch what's going up here on stage. Choose to engage in the discussion. We have opportunities for you to be able to engage. One of those examples is you can send a text message of hello to 505-412-4880. Again, Hello, H-E-L-L-O to 505-412-4880. You'll get an automatic response back from that, but here's a couple of reasons as far as why you would want to engage by texting hello. Number one, we'll send you other updates as far as any other news or announcements regarding our services in the future. So you could stay in the loop by texting hello to 505-412-4880. The other reason why you'd want to text it in is because at the very end of today's service, this live stream, we're going to give out a $25 Amazon gift card to a random person that texts in that number right now. So pull out your phone, send in the text message, and perhaps you might be the one that gets to win the $25 Amazon gift card. Now with that, perhaps you can buy one roll of toilet paper on Amazon, maybe even one ply of toilet paper on Amazon. Anyway, we'd love to be able to engage. That's one way you can text that in. There's another way you can engage during our sermon this morning, our teaching time this morning, is that it, that's to engage with the sermon notes. Now, normally when you come to church, we hand out all these different little programs and the flyers where you can follow along and do fill in the blanks. We still have that available as a digital download. So that's a way you can engage as well. I would encourage you download today's notes straight from the internet. Now on the digital download, there's fill in the blanks, there's all the Bible verses. It's, it's gonna help you stay engaged in today's sermon. So, so do that. Now, where do you find the digital download? We put the URL up here. So it's uh, phcc.church slash resources. phcc.church slash resources. On there, you'll see a little PDF that you can download. You can click on that, download it, print it, and you can fill in, fill in the blanks during today's time together. In addition to the fill in the blanks, there's other information. Pastor Keith just talked about three ways to give. You can give online, you can give with texting, you can give by sending a check to the church. All those instructions are in the digital download as well at phcc.church slash resources. In addition to that, there's other information regarding our student ministry. Our student ministry, PHSM, is going live tonight at uh, 6.30. 
So if you have a middle schooler or a high schooler, they too can be a part of church. We have life groups meeting all around San Juan County that are virtual life groups. So more information as far as how to get connected into one of those groups is also on the digital download. Now, in addition to the sermon notes, if you go to this link, you'll also see for the parents a download. If you've got little kids, you can print off a little uh, coloring page that relates to today's sermon so they can be engaged as well. So that being said, continue to be engaged by, uh, by, by filling in the fill in the blanks on that digital download. Now, that's one way to be engaged in the sermon. There's a second way, which is through the YouVersion app. Now, the YouVersion app, it's available on iOS devices. It's available on Android devices. It's a free app. You can download the app in, the, in whatever app store for your device, and, and it actually shows us going live right now, and all of the sermon notes are on the YouVersion app. So to help explain and help you get to, to where you need to go on that app, I've invited our youth pastor, Von Craver, to come out here and explain to you and show you an example as far as how to get to that app. So check it out. So right now, if you follow along with me, if you're downloading the app or currently have this app, look for the Bible icon. You'll pull it up. And once the front screen shows up, you want to go to the bottom right. It says more. Then it's going to show a list of options. You'll want to shoot to events. And from there, Pinion Hills Community Church will pop up live with ways to check out our announcements. There's a map I clicked on, but you click the link and it'll show everything that you could do right now to get plugged in, text in, whatever you need to do to get plugged in today. Thank you for joining us. So you could go and download the digital downloads. You could follow along the notes. You could go to the YouVersion app, as Pastor Vaughn just talked about. You could follow along there. There's also another way, which is probably the most com complicated way to follow along today, which is this, uh, pen and paper. <laughs> now, I know that sounds so archaic. You know, there's this pen, this writing utensil and paper that comes from a tree, right? Get this, you could even write notes on toilet paper this morning. Unused toilet paper, that is. <laughs> uh, and I know that stuff's like gold. Some of you are like, no, 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 I'm not going to waste my toilet paper. I get it. But, but researchers have shown that if you just simply write things down, some of that sticks into your mind, sticks into your brain. So you, even if you write on toilet paper, you could recycle it later, if you know what I'm talking about. You could still reuse it later. Bottom line, we want you to be engaged. So there's different ways that you can choose to be engaged through the, the download, through the YouVersion app, or just writing some things down. We would encourage you to not just watch the stage, but choose to be engaged. Now, right now we have pastors, we have people that are in all of these different platforms, willing and ready to engage with you. So it becomes more of a dialogue and a discussion. So that being said, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or on the online platforms that have the ability for you to comment in, here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I'm gonna ask you to engage by participating in this. Don't just watch the stage, engage. So let us know, where are you watching from? Are you tuning in from Farmington? Are you watching from Aztec, from Bloomfield, from Flora Vista? Are you watching from Cortez, from Durango, from Hobbs, from Roswell, Santa Fe, Albuquerque? Are you watching from the West Coast out in California, the East Coast over in Florida, somewhere in between in Oklahoma or Texas? Where are you watching from? Add that in the comments so we can engage with you regardless of whatever you're, wherever you're watching from. Now, in addition to that, uh, I would encourage you to start commenting with a couple other questions. Now, here's two questions I want to ask you as well. First question is this. What are you most excited about regarding what's going on right now? Now, perhaps you're like, I'm not excited about anything with what's going on right now. I, I want to be out in the public. I want to be out in large crowds. I get that, but there's got to be something you're excited about, something that you're joyful about. What is it that you're excited about? Comment that on the thread in that as well. Here's the follow-up question to that. What are you most concerned about? Is there anything that you're concerned about? Is there anything that you're, you're running low on? You could even comment in that and perhaps we can help other people in our community help you get whatever you're, you're low on. We want to encourage you to engage in this discussion. I'll, I'll tell you something that I was concerned about a few days ago. I heard that John Travolta contracted the coronavirus 
But then right after that, I heard it wasn't the coronavirus he got. I heard it was Saturday night fever. <laughs> and if you're concerned like me, don't worry. Rumor is he's staying alive. I know, I know, cheesy joke, I get it. I'm not making light of the coronavirus. I'm just choosing to see that there's some things that we can have that cause cheer in our lives. Look at what Solomon says in Proverbs 17, 22. He says, a cheerful heart is good medicine. Even in the context of what we're going through right now, it's okay to laugh, it's okay to have cheer in your heart. It's good medicine. So that being said, we're continuing on in our series today called Fighting Words. We started this series last week. And last week I told the story about a court case that took place in 1942. And in this court case, it was defined as far as what fighting words are. Chaplinsky v. New Hampshire, fighting words were described and defined by a judge in the Supreme Court as this. Here's how J Justice Murphy described and defined fighting words for the first time. He said, fighting words are words which by their very utterance inflict injury or tend to incite an immediate breach of the peace. Our words can cause harm. Our words can cause damage. That's what we talked about last week. In fact, last week I introduced you one of, to one of my best friends. His name's Tim Harris, my wife's best friend as well. In fact, we took a picture. Uh, we'll put it up on the screen. There's Tim right there in the middle of us. This was out in the plaza. Don't, don't you remember what it was like to come to church and actually go to the plaza and, and be in a physical building? Anyway, so, so that's, uh, that's Tim Harris right in the middle of that picture. Now, now perhaps you know Tim has Down syndrome. Now, I asked Tim last week when he was up on stage, I asked him the question, I said, Tim, has anybody ever used the R word in front of you before? The word retard? And Tim said, well, yeah, people have used that word in front of me. That's a fighting word for people that have different abilities, people that love those with different abilities. It's a fighting word. And I said, how did it make you feel when somebody used the R word in front of you, Tim? He said, well, it made me feel sad. It makes me feel sad when people use that word in front of me or when they're referring to my friends. You see, I don't know about you, but I don't want to use my words to hurt people. I don't want to use my words to harm people. I want to use my words to build people up. I don't want to cut people. I want to edify people, encourage people, lift them with my words. Sometimes we use our words as fighting words and we use them to destroy people and we shouldn't do that. My buddy Tim, he's one of the most compassionate, loving people that I've ever met. In fact, I asked him to share one of my favorite quotes about Tim. Uh, here's a, a quote that he said last week. He said, I may have a disability, but I have the ability to be your best friend. I love this quote. How can you intentionally want to cut down somebody who has a different ability and use your words to, to cut them and, and hurt them and harm them? Why would you do that? It was last week that Tim said on stage, he's like, I've hugged over 75,000 people. In fact, after the services, I recorded some video. We'll roll some of this video of, of Tim hugging people out in our plaza as well. Look at all these people that are getting hugged. He's got a line. He had hundreds of people. He had 75,000 hugs that he's already hugged prior to last Sunday. I think we added on another thousand hugs or so for, for Tim. Yeah, he refers to himself as a lean, mean hugging machine. I love Tim. Why would you want to cause harm or damage to somebody that has, has such a good heart and a good soul like, like Tim Harris? Our hope that we talked about last week is that more people can experience that type of quality friendship with those who have different abilities. So that's why last week we start, started a brand new ministry called the VIP Ministry. We've already had dozens of people sign up. A lot of people are signing up, those who have different abilities, amazing abilities, those who are signing up as participants. We also have people that want to serve and get to know those people with different abilities. So if that's you, if you know somebody that would love to be a part of the VIP Ministry, or perhaps you want to serve, I would encourage you to go to this URL, phcc.church slash VIP, and you can register there 
whether you're somebody who wants to register and participate or if you want to serve in that ministry, we'd love to have you be a part of it. Now, that being said, that's everything that we talked about last week when we kicked off this series of Fighting Words. Today, we're continuing on in this series, but we're going to make a little bit of a shift. Last week, we looked at how fighting words that you say might cause damage or harm to somebody else. But today, we're shifting it because we're going to be looking at today in the rest of this series at words that Jesus said that other people perceived as fighting words. Some of the things he said were considered controversial or, or things that were making people frustrated or angry or mad. And in the course of the rest of this series of fighting words, we're going to explore some of those things that Jesus said that rubbed people the wrong way. I'll give you an example today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4. So if you happen to have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 4 where you can follow along. I'm going to be reading from the NIV translation, the New International Version. So you can follow along if you happen to have an NIV. If not, your translation might be a little bit different. But we're going to start in verse 35, Mark 4, 35. And, and in this verse, the subcaption right above it says, Jesus calms the storm. Jesus calms the storm. That's the story that we're going to be jumping into. So read along with me, Mark 4, 35, if you got your Bible. That day, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go on over to the other side. Now, this particular verse just sets up the scenario. It sets up the scene. Now, what is it setting up? Jesus was just teaching to a crowd. He's going from one crowd to another crowd. This is what he does. He goes from town to town, village to village, teaching people, leading people, guiding people, right? So he just finished up with one crowd, and he's on his way to another town, another village, to teach another crowd. But sometimes what we see is that Jesus uses the in-between moments to teach. And sometimes it's these in-between moments that there is more intimacy, there's more relevancy to what the disciples are going through. So he's done with a crowd, he's going to another crowd, and it's the in-between moments that he's going to teach. I remember when I was a youth pastor for years, I would take buses of students to, to Disneyland or to Magic Mountain or different theme parks. And when I would take people, oftentimes the students were like, yay, I got to ride the rides. And that's what they were excited about. They get to ride the rides. And we'd be in a theme park for 12 hours and ride like six rides. Because each ride is like two minutes long, but the line to get to that ride is about two hours long. So the students were really, really excited. They thought the reason we're there is for the rides, and rightfully so, we're there for the rides. But I, I also had a team of volunteers and adults who would come and, and help me with these students because we would be in the lines, and I'd tell the volunteers, we're not, as adults, we're not here for the ride. The students are. We're here for the lines. And here's what I would explain to them. When we're waiting in line for an hour or two hours, we get to have real, meaningful, authentic conversations with these students. We get to ask questions like, hey, how are you doing? How are you really doing? How's your family? How's school? What are you concerned about? What are you worried about for the future? How's your plans for college? Are you living out your Christ-like life on campus? Is there anything I can hold you accountable for? We would go deep in these conversations. The students were there for the rides. We were there for the lines. It's those in-between moments that sometimes you have the greatest opportunities to invest in other people. Parents, perhaps your kids are home from school You've got the next three weeks, and you're like, what am I going to do with the next three weeks? I would encourage you, take advantage of these in-between moments. While you're folding laundry, have conversations with your kids. While you're preparing breakfast or lunch or dinner, have conversations with your kids, meaningful conversations. While you're driving from one place to another, take advantage of the in-between moments. If you're married, do the same thing. Pause the news or, or you know, when the commercials come on, mute the, the TV so you can have conversations and engage one another during the in-between moments because sometimes it's those in-between moments that you have the best, most meaningful, impactful conversations. Jesus is done with a crowd 
And he's going to another crowd. And on the way, there's a few in-between opportunities that he leads and guides his disciples. So follow along with me. Verse 36. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. The disciples took him along just as he was in the boat. Now there are other boats around him. Verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that nearly it was swamped. Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Now you might be wondering, in the midst of this storm, the disciples were probably wondering, in the midst of this storm, how in the world is Jesus sleeping? There's wind blowing. There's waves crashing over the top of the boat. How in the world is Jesus sleeping through that? Here's my best guess as far as why Jesus is sleeping. Because what makes you lose sleep has Jesus counting sheep. <laughs> if you're taking notes this morning, you'd write that down. What makes you lose sleep has Jesus counting sheep. When you're laying awake at night and you're like, I'm worried about this and nervous about this and I'm anxious for the future. I'm, I'm concerned about all these different things. Jesus is sleeping. Now, how is Jesus sleeping in the midst of the storm? Here's why. Because he knows he's in control. You can sleep in the storm when you know he's in control. Jesus is sleeping in the middle of the storm. The waves are, are being crashed against the boat. The water's filling up inside the boat. The wind's howling. Jesus is sleeping in the middle of the storm. Why? Because he knows he's in control. The disciples are freaking out. Water's coming into the boat. They're, they're thinking we're going to drown. So here's what happens. Verse 38, the disciples woke up Jesus and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't think that question is a fair question from the disciples. Now, here's why I would say it's not a fair question. It's not a fair question because of course Jesus cares if they drown. Of course Jesus cares if they die. Of course, because, because Jesus is the one that handpicked these boys. He's the one that said, hey, you know what? Drop your nets and follow me. He said, I see potential in you. I see a future in you. I see value in you. Perhaps other people didn't see the same value in the disciples, but Jesus did. He walked with them, talked with them, invested in them, poured into them. Jesus saw these boys and the potential that they had. He loved them, cared for them, leaded them, guided them, shepherded them. Of course he cares if they were to drown. So that's not a fair question. Yet even though it's not a fair question, Jesus still takes it seriously and he responds to this question. But before he responds, look at what, he, what happens next in verse 39. Jesus got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Now, there's two things I want you to recognize from this verse. Number one, notice that Jesus addresses the storm before he addresses the disciples. The disciples had just asked the question, don't you care if we drown? Before I get to that, let me first address what's causing you concern. And he quiets the storm. I think that's worth mentioning. Something else that's worth mentioning here. The wind and the waves, they obey Jesus. Friends, Jesus is in control, and he proved it by quieting the storm. Sometimes we are in the middle of a storm in our own lives, and sometimes we lose sight of the fact that God is in control. Sometimes in circumstances where things are out of our control, we lose sight that God is in control. But if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Friends, always know God is in control. 
Always know he's in control. It doesn't matter what happens with this coronavirus. God's in control. Doesn't matter what happens with the stock market. God's in control. Doesn't matter what happens with your favorite sports team. God's in control. It doesn't matter if you run out of toilet paper and supplies. God is still in control. Friends, always know God is in control. Look at some of these verses. Psalm 46, one and two says, God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Why are we not going to fear? Because he's an ever-present help in trouble. Look at this verse. Psalm 27.1 says this, The Lord is my light and my, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He's the stronghold in our life. Look at in Isaiah. says this, Isaiah 41.10, Do not fear, God says, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is what God says. Perhaps you remember this, this verse from when you were uh, a little kid and the little kid's song, you know, he's got the whole world. You sing it. He's got the whole world in his hands. He wants to uphold you with his righteous right hand. He's got the whole world in his hand. Friends, God is in control. Always know he is in control. Sometimes we lose sight of that. Sometimes we forget that. But God is always in control. The waves are crashing down in the boat with the disciples out on the lake. The wind is howling. And the, the disciples say, hey, don't you care if we drown? Jesus says, quiet and be still to the wind and the waves. And the wind and the waves obey Jesus. Why? Because God is in control. And then Jesus turns to his disciples and says five words that perhaps might have been perceived and received as fighting words. Here's what he says, verse 40. Jesus says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Now that might have been perceived. That question, those five words might have been received by the disciples as fighting words. Because I could only imagine that the disciples are like, wait, are you seriously asking me that question, Jesus? Why am I so afraid? Well, before you calm the sea and the wind and the storm, why am I so afraid? Because the wind, because the waves, the water filling up our boat, we're going to drown. We thought we were going to die. What if Jesus were to ask you, friend, right now watching on this live stream, what if Jesus were to ask you the same question? Hey, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid of this coronavirus? How would you respond? Would you respond perhaps in a similar way that the disciples could have responded? Are you, are you serious, Jesus? Are you really asking why I'm afraid? Because thousands of people worldwide are dying, Jesus. That's why I'm afraid. I'm afraid because I'm in the target demographic of, of the people that are not responding well to this coronavirus. I'm in my 70s or 80s or 90s. I'm afraid for my life, Jesus. Why am I so afraid? Because I'm fearful I might not make it. Or I have parents or grandparents that are in that demographic. I'm concerned for their well-being and their health. Why am I so afraid? Because for the next three weeks, I'm locked in my house with my kids because they're not going to school and I don't know what to do with my kids. Why am I so afraid? Because I'm concerned. I'm going to run out of supplies. I'm going to run out of stuff. I'm going to run out of food or milk or toilet paper. I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about this and this and this and this. All these different things. Jesus, can you really ask me right now to not be afraid? Why am I so afraid? I'm afraid because of all these reasons. I'm sure that's how the disciples felt as well. Are you really asking me that question? You're asking me, how am I so afraid? We have reasons, friends. You and I, the disciples 2,000 years ago, we have reasons to be afraid. But that being said, don't miss what Jesus says next. He says this, verse 40. Jesus said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? And then he says this, do you still have no faith? Keyword, 
still. Now, why is that a key word? Because Jesus is implying, he's implying, he's already demonstrated his power to these disciples before. They've already seen him working in huge ways in the past. Do you still have no faith despite what I've done? Jesus is saying, do you still have no faith despite how I've proven myself? Do you still have no faith even though I broke bread and, and fish and fed thousands of people? Do you still have no faith even though I've come through and healed the blind and the sick and the lame and the lepers? You still have no faith even though you've seen the impossible take place? You still have no faith even though you've seen the power of my, my efforts and my work? I am God in the flesh. You still have no faith? Why are you afraid? Why do you still have no faith of having seen all the things you've seen? You've seen the power of Jesus. And I would say the same thing to you, friends. Are you, are you fearful for what's going on in our culture and our society right now? You have reasons to be afraid, but at the same time, you have reasons to have faith. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. We have more reasons to have faith than reasons to be afraid. We have more reasons to have faith than we have reasons to be afraid. We have more reasons to choose faith than to choose fear. God has come through for you over and over and over. And he's been there. He's provided. He cares for you. Does God not care about you right now as the coronavirus is going on? Of course he cares for you. How could you ask that question? He loves you. He adores you. He cherishes you. He cares for you. He sees you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your concerns. And while you can focus on this anxiety or this worry, this concern or this fear, you could focus on all that other stuff or you have the choice. You could focus on faith. Faith in what? Faith that God is in control. Because friends, he is. He is sovereign. He's in control. He could wipe out this coronavirus just like that. In 2002, the SARS virus was increasing and increasing, and all of a sudden, boop, off the radar, completely disappeared. God is in ultimate control. So I would encourage you, don't get wrapped up in the fear and the panic and the worry and the anxiety. You have things you can be concerned about. Or you could say, you know what? I'm going to trust in God. You can have faith in God because he is in control. This morning, the band's gonna come back out and we're gonna wrap up our time this morning with, a, with another song. And as they come out and get set, it's a song by the band Elevation. And Elevation, uh, the title of the song by Elevation is called Do It Again. And the lyrics of this song talk about how God has proven himself over and over and over. And who are we to think that he won't do it again? So I would encourage you wherever you are, whatever it looks like, if you're in the living room, if you're in a bed or wherever you are right now, I would encourage you to, to rise to your feet and engage in this song or maybe go down to your knees and participate in this song and sing the lyrics to the best of your ability. Have this be the cry of your heart, of your mind, of your soul. We have faith. We have confidence that God has provided for us, that God is in control and he's still in control. He's provided for us here and here and here and here. Why would he not do it again? So I want to encourage you, sing this song along with us right now. Walking around these walls I thought by now they fall But you have never failed me Waiting for change to come 
Showing the battles won For you have never failed me yet Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Faithfulness I'm still in your hands And this is my confidence You never failed me yet oh. sing your praise again Jesus you're still enough keep me within your love my heart will sing your praise again and again and again still stands it is your faithfulness your faithfulness I'm still in your hands Lord and this is my confidence you've never failed no more yet 
and we can have a confidence and assurance that he's right there with us in the middle of the storm. Perhaps he needs to calm the storm in our hearts and our minds. That's what we're going to pray for right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that you give to us and you have been there for us through thick and through thin, through the storms that we go through in life, and it's no different than right now. God, I pray that people that are watching right now, engaged right now, that I pray they feel your peace, your comfort. I pray for the people that have already been infected with the coronavirus or the people in the coming days or weeks or months that will be infected, that perhaps those dark moments will lead to an intimacy with you, that they'll choose to trust in you, that these conversations will lead them to you and to a relationship with you. So God, we thank you for all the things that you've done for us. May we not lose sight of how you've been there for us over and over and over for us in the past and how we have confidence and assurance that you will do it again. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for your son. We thank you for all the things that you've done for us and the gifts that we have, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. I really appreciate it. I would encourage you, if there's anything that you've gotten out of today's message through the worship, the teaching, the notes, if there's anything you find of value, will you share this message? Will you share this service with somebody else? Maybe take the, the link and email it or text it to somebody else. Because the reality is that there's many people who right now are gripped with fear. And perhaps they instead can be gripping onto faith and having a trust in, in God that he's in control. So please share it with at least one person if you found any value in today's service. Now, I do want to give a shout out to uh, the person who won our competition for our text competition earlier, Andrea Turin. Thank you for texting in. Congratulations. We're going to send you a $25 gift card to Amazon. You don't have to show up here. We're just going to email it to you so you don't have to come to the church. So next place or next week, that is same place, same time. We'd love to have you come back and worship with us. Invite your friends, invite family members to join you virtually or in your living room next week as we continue on in this series called Fighting Words. And in the meantime, understand you have way more reasons to have faith than reasons to be afraid. Thank you for joining us for our first ever online only service. And we'll see you next week, same place, same time at phcc.church. God bless you.